view of prophecy because they just don't follow the scriptural pattern that Jesus set up himself. We look here in Matthew chapter number 24, and last week we went through several things talking about the first three and a half years. We read in verse 14, And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And the Bible talks about the 144,000 that, that are saved that are going to go and preach the kingdom. And people will get saved during the tribulation time. And they preach the gospel, and that's who it's talking about there. And then we went through, and then when we started our series, we started out in the book of Daniel. And we looked at how the Bible sets up the timeline of everything. And how when the Jews, when they refused their Messiah, they were at 69 weeks of years, and the time stopped there. And the time stopped and entered into the church age, which we're still in today. And when the Antichrist signs a treaty with Israel for seven years of peace, the rapture will take place right before that. When that treaty is signed, it sets off the last seven years of Daniel's 70th week. And then everything will be accomplished that was set out to be done. And then Christ will rule and reign for a thousand years. And we'll get into all of that stuff as we get further into things. So we started out looking at the biblical timeline from the book of Daniel. Then we looked at what the next step for us, the rapture, is the next thing that takes place. Someday, before we know it, could be in our lifetime, could be after our lifetime. I'd prefer it during my lifetime. I'd like that. I'd much rather go when the trumpet sounds than go some other way. But whatever the Lord wants, that's up to him. And the day's going to come where that happens. The rapture will happen and then we looked at the week after that, the Antichrist will come on the scene. And he opposes everything that Christ is, but he acts like he's Christ. We're going to look even more at that tonight and see some things about him and things that he does. But we looked at, number one, how the, um, how the tribulation commenced. We saw things that will happen during that time. And there will be um, hatred for the Jews during that time. There will be a lot of wars and rumors of wars. There'll be earthquakes and diverse, there'll be all these things happen. And then we get to verse number 15. Matthew 24, verse number 15. And tonight, you have three pages of notes because I gave you a lot of the notes and I wrote them in there or had them put in there so you could see some of these things. But we're going to be going to the book of Revelation and diving in just a little bit to these things to break them down. Now, the last half of the tribulation is a very, very scary time here on earth. The first half of the, half of the tribulation is no walk in the park. But it gets worse. Bible talks about the wrath of God being released. And you know, we talk about global warming and things, and I'm not getting into a debate with anybody on all that stuff, but the things that are coming, it will be worse than what global warming will do to this world. And we believe the Bible. If the Bible says it, that means it's going to happen. And you might look at it and say, I don't understand how that's going to work and how that plays out. It's not your job to understand everything that God says. It's your job to just trust him and know that he's right and what he says is right. People have been saying for years, well, you know, the Lord's coming back at this date. No one knows when he's coming, but he's coming. And he's not, and he's going to keep his promise. But he's long-suffering, and praise God for that. Praise God for those who can still get saved today. Because without him coming, that means there's still people getting saved. Things are happening. And so we look at verse number 15, and we're going to be here in Matthew 24, and then we're going to be in the book of Revelation and look at several things 
We're going to read about locusts that come out of the pit, out of hell, and the fallen angels that those are, and the demons that are going to be released here on earth. And we'll get several things tonight. So get ready. That's a lot of stuff, a loaded stuff on a Wednesday night. But I know you're ready for it. So here we go. Verse 15. When he therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Remember, we talked about the abomination of desolation already. And the fact that the Antichrist is going to come and he's going to go into the temple, the third temple will be built. It's going to come. And they have, I've heard that in, in, Jerus- in Jerusalem, there they already have all the furniture and things ready for a third temple. They're waiting to build that temple. In order for all these things to commence, there must be a temple. In that temple, they're going to go back to Old Testament sacrificing days and sacrifice like they did in the Old Testament because they're not smart enough to realize that Jesus Christ came and paid that price once for all and forever that payment had been made. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about that. They're going to go back to animal sacrificing. The Antichrist is going to make a treaty with Israel. And the Bible says that in the midst of that treaty, three and a half years in, the Antichrist is going to come and he's going to come into the temple and he's going to claim to be God and sit in there as God. And that's the abomination of desolation. We'll look more in detail about that in a couple of minutes. But that happens at the midpoint. What we see Jesus telling them here, look at what he says in, in the next verse. Then let them which are in Judah flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days shall be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe not it. For there shall rise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Verse 26, it says, Wherefore, If they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth, behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the the coming of the Son of Man be. For whithersoever the carcass is, there will the eagle be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the earth shall be shaken. Quite a lot mentioned right there. And now we're going to use, and like I said, when you look biblically at how the Bible sets things up, you really need to follow Jesus' timetable, and then you take the book of Revelation and correlate it with Matthew 24. I would trust Jesus over any commentary I could pick up in my office. Jesus gets the, he's right. And you could pick up, I have so many commentaries on the book of Revelation. It seems like everybody feels they need to write a commentary about the book of Revelation. It's amazing the stuff that you read that people will write and say. And this is the thing that we got to learn and be careful with. Where the Bible doesn't say much, we don't need to say much or speculate. Where the Bible says a lot, 
Say what the Bible has to say. But when it doesn't, don't speculate and come up with your own stuff. Follow the Bible. Follow the book. The book is what we need. It has the answers for everything. And I'll tell you this. Everything God wants us to know about the tribulation and the things coming in the forward is all right here. There's no other that we need. We've got everything that we need. So let's dive into things. Number two tonight, and that's where we begin, we see how the tribulation continues. How the tribulation continues. We see letter A, as we read there in verse 15 a few minutes ago, we see that they are treacherous days. Verse number 15 refers to us and tells us about the Antichrist breaking his covenant with the nation of Israel. And we read about that in Daniel chapter 9, verse number 27 talks about it. And it will be fulfilled, and see right here, Daniel 9, 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even to the consummation. And that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. And we see there that that's going to happen. The Antichrist will amount and will call himself God and sit in the temple as God. He'll declare himself to be. Now, how will this work? What will happen? How does the Antichrist rise to power so much where people believe that he's God? Well, the book of Revelation explains. So hold your place in Matthew. We'll be back here. I would put, if you have a little tab in your Bible, leave it here in Matthew chapter 24. And then I want you to go with me to Revelation chapter 13. We're going to be all over the book of Revelation for the next little bit tonight. So bear with me. If you get information overload, I've been there all week long, so you're going to do So the Bible's a wonderful book. If you And God didn't call just pastors to study the Word of God. He's called every Christian to study the Scripture. And so Revelation chapter number 13, and look at verse number 1. The Bible says in Revelation 13, 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his head the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and his seat and great authority. We know that this is talking about the Antichrist right here. There's all these symbolisms right here. Sometimes people get stuck trying to picture all these different things and how it all works. Look at verse number three. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. Now it's interesting. The Antichrist is going to be wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. Who's going to be controlling the Antichrist? Satan will be. So what you have take place during the tribulation time, the Antichrist can take a blow to the head, and he's going to die. And he's going to be raised back to life. Doesn't that sound like someone... 2,000 years ago, on a cross he died and then he rose again. You see, that's Satan's whole game that he plays. Keep on reading here. Verse number four says, And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouse, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. 
And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain before the foundation of the world. You go down to verse number 14 of the same chapter, it says, and it talks about, and deceiveth that dwell on the earth by the means of whose miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. What motivates the world during this time to give their worship to the beast? Exactly. You can try and figure that out if you want. The Bible does not say exactly. He'll be wounded in the head. first number of every barcode is a six. The middle number of every barcode is a six. And the very last number of every barcode is a six. Six, six, six. Beginning, middle, and end. You don't believe me? Pick up any box of cereal or pick up anything in your house and look underneath. And then look at it. The first barcode is a six. Middle one is a six. And end one's a six. Maybe we'll all get barcodes. Or they will, not us. But anyways, I, well, some of you might. Don't do it. Please don't. Help yourself out. But what, what's the mark going to be? We just know that there's going to be a mark. And it will work into the system of things. And as I mentioned, for this prophecy to be fulfilled, the temple's got to be built. And I believe that it will be built. And that's, we believe that that's true. And you look, you go back to the 1940s, and you see the rebirth of Israel from where they've been all those years and see them come back. You see everything lining up. Let her be. They're terrifying days. These verses bring us into the second half of the tribulation, the three and a half years of the tribulation. They'll be horrible, beyond um, and worse than anything this world's ever seen. Jesus said in Matthew 24. The days of Noah and the flood, nothing compared to what's going to take place here. And lots of things are going to happen. Jesus reveals to the Jews that they will see the Antichrist claiming to be God. And when they do, in verse 15, verse 16, he says, you need to flee. It seems that that will usher in a period of persecution against Israel during that time. And things that will happen there. And in fact, it will be the goal of this guy 
to totally destroy the people of God from off the earth. I'll give you a reference you can look at later on. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1 through 17. Revelation chapter 12 talks about a dragon and a woman. And, hi- and she's hiding from this dragon. There are, two different, there are two different trains of thought when it comes to Revelation chapter 12. And I don't have time to get into all of it. We're giving a brief overview. But sometimes I feel like I'm... going after that woman, it very clearly pictures what happened when Jesus Christ was born. Very clearly in Revelation chapter number 12. But something else that it shows very clearly is how the Antichrist is going to attack the people of Israel during the end times. Both of them Some of them will follow the Antichrist. It talks about that in Matthew 24. And then a remnant will be saved. It talks about that in Zechariah 13.9. And these different things. Not only will they be terrifying days, but letter C, or number two, sorry, there'll be days of intense pain. Days of intense pain. Verse 21 of our text there in Matthew, it says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Basically, Jesus says the worst time in human history will happen during this time. I'm going to break down a few things about that time that's going to take place. I gave you in your notes most of these things written out in their entirety so you can go back later on because I know what's going to happen. Some of you might already be at that point. I'm Charlie Brown's teacher tonight. And in a few minutes, it's going to be wah, 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 wah when I'm talking because you're going to get to the point to where you tune me out because you're just tired from work all day and everything else that you did and you're ready to go to bed and pastor's going deep into something. I gave you all the notes so instead of wah, 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 Later on, you can actually see what I was saying and get it maybe when you wake up in the morning or some other time. Say, man, pastor, you know us well. I do know you very well, and we'll leave it at that. But we'll look at these things and get a little glimpse of some some things to help us out as we look at them. There are two sets, during the last half of the tribulation, there are two sets of intense judgments that will take place on the last half of the tribulation. And these judgments are known as the trumpet judgments and the vile judgments. And I want to take a few minutes, and I'm going to explain them to you, and we're going to look at a few verses and see where we get to before we run out of time. So, letter A, when we talk about the days of intense pain, we see the trumpet judgments. Now, if you want to take your Bibles with me, we're going to go to Revelation chapter 8 to see these things unfold before our eyes. And as I said, I gave you most of the notes on all these things, and so, and I didn't even charge you for it. And we don't even take an offering on Wednesday nights, and you, you get this for free tonight. So we look and we see, first of all, number one, we see the first trumpet. Revelation chapter 8, verse number 7. And the first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, And a third part of trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. 
we see this first trumpet, what happens is one-third of the green vegetation on the face of the earth is destroyed. For the trees. And do you know what, do you know what trees, all the green things, do you know there's a reason why they're all around? There's a purpose behind them? It helps with oxygen. And so, and they even say, and it's kind of weird and how true it is, I'm not scientific enough to figure it all out. But, you know, they say that in our, in our country, with everything that we have, all the people and everything else, that we only produce about 60% of the oxygen we consume. It's interesting. That, if that, I don't know what that really means, but we still have to, I'm still breathing, so we're okay tonight. It might be smog that I'm breathing in, but um, I'm still breathing. Praise God, we still got oxygen. But we see that first trumpet's going to knock out those things. And we see, you see how it says there will be hail and fire mingled with blood? You know, that could be meteorites, stars falling. That could be lots of different things that that could be. We see, number two, we see the second trumpet. Look at verse 8 and 9. So this first angel sounds the trumpet, and a third of the vegetation is gone. Verse 8 and 9 says, And the second angel sounded as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. Probably a meteorite would be my guess. That's a guess. That doesn't mean that's what it's going to be. And a third part of the sea became blood. And a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And a third part of ships were destroyed. So the first trumpet, third of all the green vegetation on the face of the earth is destroyed. Second one, you have a third of the oceans become as blood. A third of the life in the ocean and in the seas destroyed. And then a third of the world shipping there's a lot of things that happen with ships and shipping and cargo, all those things. A third of it's going to be destroyed in this second trumpet. And imagine the impact that will have on the world's food supply during that time. And no doubt that will bring more starvation and probably drive up the prices of things as we looked at before in chapter number 6. We see the third trumpet in verse number eight, or chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. The Bible says, And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of water. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the water became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. So you think about that, and that's probably referring to a meteorite too. And where you decipher what exactly it is, we just know something very bad happens during that time. And so you already think about it, a third of the water's already been affected. And now we see even more that um, a third, another third of the fresh, it's polluted. This water makes it bitter. And so that people can't drink and more people perish in this plague. We look at the fourth trumpet, which is in verse number. The fourth angel sounded. And the third part of the sun was smitten. And the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened. And the day shone not for a third part of it. And the night light. This takes place for sun light. it outside and uh, and that's when the sun's not fully shining there's lots of things that take place because of that 
All these different things are going to And we see before he gets to the fifth trumpet. Sheldon heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven. Voice, whoa, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth. Things are getting worse. If it isn't bad enough that those four trumpets what's taken place, we see things get even worse as it goes on. Now look at chapter number 9 and look at verse number 1. And the fifth angel sounded... And I saw a star unto the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Now, Satan has not been thrown into the bottomless pit yet. That comes after Christ returns. But there's an angel that comes and opens up the bottomless pit. Look at verse number 2. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, and the smoke was great and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And with that being said, a lot of people think that the bottomless pits near the center of the earth, because it rises, and could that be it? I'm not going to say if it is or not. That's just what some people say. And then verse number three, and it says, and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. Now, this is not just locusts. This is, this is a symbolism of something, which I'll give you in a minute. But look what it says here, and there came locusts. their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Anybody in the room ever been bitten by or striked by a... Debbie, you've been... You have? How does it feel? And... And... Yeah. So we keep on... And that's what it's... And it says that here. And we keep on reading. Now look at these locusts. These are... Some of you, if you like horror movies and things like that. Look at these locusts and look at how they are. I'm just saying, you know, the, the Bible gives you everything you need. You don't need to go see those horror films and things. Look at what these, some of you are going to have a nightmare tonight thinking what these locusts look like. Look at what it says here. And it says, And the shape of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, a crown like gold. And their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women. And their teeth were as the teeth of lions. Just picture all of that. I'm trying to picture all of that. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And it says, and they had tails like unto scorpions. And, they, and there were stings in their tails. And their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, and in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. We see the fifth trumpet. And this is an invasion of demons from hell being released here on earth. Now, the Bible talks about the fact that there were some, it talks about in the book of Jude, 
And this, this is, I know this is some deep stuff that we're talking about tonight. And I know some, some of you look like you're already worn out, and we're only at, what time are we at? Oh, 7.16. We still got 14 more minutes to go. The Bible talks about the fact that there were some demons so bad, when Satan left, when he fell from heaven, a third of the angels went with him. And the Bible talks about that there were some angels so bad that they were sent directly to the bottomless pit and chained in the bottomless pit. And was it because of things that they did when they were here during the days of Noah and around the flood in Genesis chapter number 6, 5 and 6 there? I'm not going to say for sure. I'm not going to give you an answer on that. But all I know is there were angels chained in hell prepared for the day of judgment. And that fifth woe, what's going to happen is this is all symbolism, the locusts and all these things that it mentions, the teeth of lions and all these different things, is symbolism showing and what they're demons from hell. And those demons that have been chained up in hell all these years, that there's been an angel watching them, Apollyon has been watching them in the bottomless pit, God's finally going to say, go torment the people. We look in our world today, and we look at the craziness of people and the demonic influences in our world today. And the demonic influences are real in our world today. But they're nothing compared to what it's going to be like when those guys are released from the bottomless pit. And they're going to torment the people here on earth during that time. That's the fifth judgment. There's two more to come. Look at, let's keep on reading and look at the sixth trumpet in verse number 13. It says, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet loose, the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day, and a month, and a year, for to slay a third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horse in the vision, and them that sat on them, having brass plates of fire, and of jasneth, and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. And out of their mouths issued fire, and smoke, and brimstone, by these three were a third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their powers in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like the serpents that had hand, heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not serve devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and brimstone and wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk, neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornications, nor of their thefts. We see that there's going to be a demonic invasion of an army that numbers 200 million. That's what it's talking about right there. The result of that invasion that will take place will take out one-third of the human population that's left. Now, if you remember, in the first half of the tribulation, things happen and a fourth of the population is already taken out. Then another third of the population, you have over half of the world's population during that time wiped out 
during these things that take place and during this invasion. And you notice that before any of these trumpets were released, if you go back to chapter 8, look at verse number 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. You know, we talk about a moment of silence. There's 30 minutes of silence in heaven. All of God's judgment is about to be on display. And we see these things unfold before us. You look at the seventh trumpet, which is found in um, chapter number 11. And you look at verse number 15 to 19. And the Bible says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there, was gr- there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world... Being a parent, what I wait for is after I hear a thud, hear, see if I hear a cry. And then you try to wait to see what type of cry it is, if it's one of those death cries or if it's just a little bit of a hurt cry. But there's no cry. I do not know what they just did down to the school stuff down there, Ryan. So you can figure that out later. Thank you, Marquise, for whatever you're doing downstairs right now. And uh, so here we go. Let's go back to that. And it says, and it says, the kingdom of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped him, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and what's and art to come. Because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And all and the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. In the time of the dead that they should be judged, that thou shouldst give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldst destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was open in heaven, and there was seen in this temple the ark of his testimony. There were lightnings and voices, thunderings, and an earthquake and great hail. This trumpet releases and lets us know, announces that Jesus Christ is about to come back. It also introduces the seven vial or the last seven bowl judgments. Which now if you go to Revelation chapter 16, you'll see the last of the judgments that take place. And we're almost done tonight. We're getting there, all right? Is everyone all right? Are we all right? Okay. We're all right. Who knew your pastor could go deep on something? I thought he was just a, didn't, an ignorant guy. I know a few things. Not very much, but a few little things. Um, we look at the vile judgments. We look at chapter 16 and look at verse number 2. And it says, we'll actually go back up to verse number 1. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon all men, which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. So this is some sort of uh, cancerous, vile sore that's poured out on mankind during this time. And I know you look and you read there all, it says only to those that are without the mark of the beast. Does that mean there's going to be people that are here that are without the mark of the beast? There are people that get saved during the tribulation. They will be there. There will be people there. That's why it talks about in, in uh, Matthew 24 
except those days should be shortened for the elect's sake. There will be saved people here during that time. But not the church. The church has been taken out. The thing you've got to remember is, and there are a lot of people that really mess up the doctrine of the end times because what they do is they try to say that the church has replaced Israel. Nowhere in the Bible has the church replaced Israel. And if you want to read that and figure it out for yourself, read Romans chapter number 11. It explains everything to you from the very beginning and sets it out exactly. And so think about this. If Jesus Christ suffered all that he did on the cross, and then we have to suffer in the tribulation during this time, wasn't Jesus' suffering in vain? Why did he need to suffer? He suffered once for all. That's not reserved for us. We've talked about how in the book of Daniel that God's not through using the people of Israel. And in fact, Romans 11 covers that again, that God's not through with Israel. They are his people. And sometimes it's hard, and even it talks about in Romans 11, it's not all, you look at all the wickedness of his people, Israel and different things, they're still his people. And what you have is you have total opposites of things. You have some Christians who are so in love that they justify the actions that they do, and you have some Christians on the other side that hate them and say all these different things, Israel's God's chosen people. It's settled and done. No one will ever replace that. They're his people, and they're important to how everything plays out, and God is going to be using them again. They're not being used right now because they cut off the Messiah, and they are blinded, spiritually blinded, to the truth. But that day is going to come where God works through them again, and it will happen. And so when we look at these things, we see it's some sort of a sore that takes place we're going to finish up and round the finish line real quick. We see the second vial in verse number 3. It says, And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. And so everything died. Now, does, that, does, God, does God use in his word that fish have souls? That's said right there, right? You've got to look at the root of the word. It means life, the life that's there. Animals and fish do not have souls like we as humans have a self-consciousness. It's talking about the life that's in the water is what that's talking about. So some people look at that and say, well, then I know for sure my dog is in heaven. The Bible doesn't say if dogs are in heaven. And maybe they are, maybe cats go to the other place. I don't know, but you can figure that all out and just pray about that one yourself. We know there are horses in heaven, and so we'll leave it at that. And... Uh, so we see the first vial, we see the second vial, the third vial, we see that all fresh water of the earth is turned to blood in verse 4 through verse number 7. And then we see the fourth vial, fourth vial look at verse number 8. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. You talk about um, sunburn. That's going to be quite a sunburn during those days. The sun's heat is intensified and men's bodies are burned by the fire of the sun. And yet all of this happens. Look at verse number 9. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God which had power over these plagues and they repented not to give him glory. We see the fifth vial in verse number 10. The fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues for pain. And this plague brings darkness and intense pain to the inhabitants of the earth 
so intense that they're gnawing their tongues and their pain, and yet they still refuse to repent. And, you know, if you study a lot of these things, too, there are some similarities, and I'm not going to tell you they're all completely similar, but some of the things that happen in Egypt are similar to some of the things that talk about in the end. There's some similarities there. Not completely the same, but there's some similarities there. We see the sixth vial, and we're running out of time, so we've got to get here. The sixth vial is very important. The reason why it's important, look at verse number 17. It says, actually, verse 12, sorry. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth, and the whole earth, to gather them to the battle of the great day of Almighty God, of God Almighty. The sixth vial, the Euphrates River, is dried up. The reason why that has to be dried up is because there's a battle called Armageddon that's getting ready to take place. And in order for all the armies to get where they need to go, that river being dried up gives them a route right over there. Because if you study scripture and you study things, China's a big army. And China's army is going to walk right towards Jerusalem. That's where they're headed. There's going to be armies coming up from Russia and down this way. They're all going to congregate near Jerusalem. And then we see the seventh vial in verse number 17. And the seventh angel poured out the vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the, wine of the, the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and mountains were not found. This earthquake's going to be so bad. Mount Baldy could be gone because of it. Things, islands, Hawaii, completely disappear because of how great that earthquake's going to be. And it says in verse number 21, And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceedingly great. Now, you think about this, that seventh vial, it brings an earthquake that destroys lots of things. All the major cities of the earth will be destroyed and messed up during this time. And those hailstones that weigh about a talent are about 125 pounds each. Imagine that falling. And that speaks about just a portion of events that are going to take place during the tribulation. It'll be a time of unspeakable horror and trial. However, if you're a safe child of God, you will not be here for that. But I will tell you something. If you're not saved tonight, you could be here for that. We still have a few last points that we didn't quite get to, and we gotta, oh, we're, we're running out of time, but we can't leave just hearing these judgments. We've got to get to the good stuff. And by the good stuff, I'm not talking about all... It does not thrill me to think of my neighbor's the people on this earth going through these things. 
It should really help us to go out and witness to them about Jesus Christ and to do something for him. But what excites me is the Lord's return. So let's finish up and get through the end here. So we see the vile judgments. Then number three, we see these are days of intense personalities. And it talks about all these things. Many false Christs will rise up and point and all do these, all these different things. Um, number four, there will be days of intense presentations. The moon turned to blood, the sun will be dark, and the stars will fall from their sockets. And these will be signs warning us that the Lord's coming. And then let her see underneath number two. We see that those days are temporary days. Do you have Habakkuk 3.2? The Bible tells us, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. And he'll accomplish his purpose. He'll preserve the remnant of them that love him to the end while he judges the world and still deals with his people. We've seen how it commences. Number two, we've seen how it continues. And lastly, tonight, we see how the tribulation concludes. I'm giving you, as we talk about concluding, I'm giving you a brief section on how it concludes. This can be very brief, very quick here. In a couple weeks, you're going to have it broken down a lot better than this. But let me just break it down just a little bit, and we'll be on our way. Letter A underneath how the tribulation concludes. The first thing, we see the triumphant saviors appearing. Back in, um, do you not have that on there? You don't have that. So, is it on your notes? Yeah, okay, so letter A. You have the triumphant saviors appearing. And verse 30 of Matthew 24 tells us that Jesus will return in great power at the end of the tribulation period. And when he does, he destroys the Antichrist and his followers in a moment of time. And Jesus will rule the world in an instant. And these things, we'll talk about them more, but Revelation 19, 11 through 14, go into detail there. Um, letter B, we see the terrified sinners agonizing. And you got your Bible still in Revelation, right? Go with me for a second to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation 14, at the end here, gives a description, a little bit about the battle of Armageddon that takes place in chapter number 19. But it gives you a little inclination as to what's, look at chapter 14, verse number 20. And the wine press was trodden without the city, and the blood came out of the wine press, even unto a horse's bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. It says at this battle, all those that die, that the blood will run to the horse's bridle. Think about where a horse's bridle would be. That high blood. Now, I did not bring, when we go through this in chapter number 19, you take those numbers that the Bible displays and you add them all up and it gives you a distance at a certain height. And you can calculate from there how many people have to die with the blood that's in them to equal that. But I'll give that to you in a couple of weeks. You don't get that until a couple of weeks. And then the last thing I'll give you, letter C, the tribulation saints assembling. 
And after Jesus has returned to feed the armies, he'll gather all those who believe the preaching of the two witnesses, the 144,000. And those of us that come with him and come back during that time will reign, will enter the millennial reign of Christ. And like I said, we'll get into that deeper later. So a biblical view of prophecy. There's one week left. All starts when the Antichrist signs the treaty. The church will be out of here at the rapture. The Antichrist is on the scene, and we went through the past two weeks what takes place during the tribulation, that seven-year period here on earth. Next week, I believe we're going to be talking about what goes on in heaven during those seven years that earth, all these things are going on. Because we're raptured up, what happens while we're there? Come back next week and find out. And the Lord comes before then, and you're still here. I tried to warn you, but Father, we love you.